Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. Be sure to go over and check out the underagaslitlamp.com website for some excellent Villa news and, and content over there. But for today's pod, we're going to discuss the 2-2 draw with West Bromwich Albion, Keenan Davis's first Premier League goal, the return of the Brazilian big man Wesley and the Everton preview, as well as some thoughts on what changes are needed in order for Villa to move forward for next season. As ever, I'm Andy and today I'm joined by Craig and Mark. Hello, Andy. Great to be back here. Uh, you can follow me at Craig Storrid. Um, love all the interactions, love all the support we're getting on the podcast and uh, looking forward to talking about what was a bit of a bonkers game yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah, it was definitely a bonkers game. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mark Jerby. You can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH. Two in a row, boys. I'm glad that I'm back for the second one in a row. This is good stuff. I do miss Dan, though. Hopefully he'll get be able to get on soon. But yeah, let's let's crack into it, boys. Yeah, good shout out to Dan as well. We miss We miss you. But um, I'm glad you I'm glad you're back with us for this week, Mark. As well, it's, it's always good to have you on. Um, so let's get into it then. West Bromwich Albion arrived at Villa Park, second bottom from the Premier League, and eight points adrift from from safety. Absolutely fighting for their lives at the moment. They're up against the Villa side, who are somewhat out of sorts themselves. With Villa only having recorded two wins out of the last ten games. Of as ever, really, Villa Twitter went into its usual pre-match meltdown with the surprise inclusion of Chelsea Loney, Ross Barkley and the Villa team. El Mohamedy slotted in at right back for, for Matty Cash and Ramsey made way in the lineup for Anwar Al Ghazi, who has scored his fair share of goals against the Baggies over the years. What did you make of the Villa the Villa starting eleven guys and, and were you disappointed perhaps not to see some of the youngsters? I think um Kessler, Barry, Chukwameka and uh um Bidace were uh, were, were rumoured to be um potentially involved, but but uh, only I think only um only Bidace was on the bench. Um how did you see this one, the the team selection? I was really most surprised to see Barkley. Um I think that um, I did tweet this yesterday uh, during the meltdown to try and add some mitigation. I do think that the fact that the FA Youth Cup is coming up uh, on Tuesday, uh, whenever you're listening to this, 48 hours removed from the game, uh, Villa are up against Newcastle under 18s, and the, the FA Youth Cup is a big deal. Villa have won the trophy before, famously with the Moore brothers, and um, you know we we 
to win it again, you know, would be a big statement for the development the academy's making, and it's a big deal kind of in youth football circles. So I can understand um, there being some priority towards there. It is a big deal for the promotion of the academy, and it's a big deal, I imagine, for the lads playing who want to lift that trophy. Um, very surprised to see Ross Barkley. Um, we've all spoken about this at length. Probably no need for him, um, but. I will say credit where it's due. I think Barkley actually had his best game um, for months. And, um, you know, I, I think we can expect to see those players, those young players, given some minutes in the remaining six Premier League games. Um, I was also surprised and disappointed not to see Keenan Davis up front. I think last week on the pod, I advocated for a 4-4-2. Um, and I think it, it was clear to see when we did go two up top, West Brom just couldn't cope with us. And I do believe if, we, if Smith had done that from the start, we would have won and won comfortably. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of that, especially with the youngsters having to be, you know, left out a little bit because they have such an important fixture coming up. And I love to see that. I want to see that. I want Villa to succeed as, as at many levels, and you know, no matter if it's the Premier League or the women in the in their league or anything like that. I just want to see every every stage of Villa succeeding. And sometimes, you know, you do wish the youngsters can get on the pitch, but it doesn't always work out that way due to scheduling conflicts or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Bades would see the field, but you know, the way that it, the game ended up transpiring, he probably. You know, if you're kind of chasing a game or you're trying to make an impact on a game, you're not going to put that kind of pressure on on his shoulders. But yeah, I I, I was right there with you. I th- I thought actually that shout that Craig had last week about maybe Ollie Watkins off of the right and then two up top. And you know, I remember Craig saying that or alluding to that at least. And then that's literally what happened later in the game. Um, you know, through subs and you know necessity, that was just something that needed to happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed not to see the youngsters. But let's hope and you know we really actually get some sort of show that they want to progress the youngsters with the amount of games that are left I'd be really happy about that Andy I know you love seeing these young guys play as well yeah I mean I'm looking forward to it really I'm looking forward to them getting the chance but I think it's it's a big game to, to throw too many of them in um, I've been um, banging the Louis Barry drum for, for some time now but I think Dean Smith was asked about him in the press conference on Friday and he said that he's he's aware of them obviously and he'll 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 bring him in when when he feels he's ready so you know i tend to think you know sometimes if if you if you're good enough you're old enough but there's there, there might be some issues around his you know perhaps his um you know his size or his 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 durability at the moment maybe and they they obviously the one thing you don't want to do is is bring a young player in and, and burn them out and 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 they end up, um, or they they fail, they sink without trace, and and then you're in a, a real problem because, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's timing with these with these lads, um, yeah, and I mean, you know, I think they are feeding them in gradually, and we've seen an awful lot of of Jacob Ramsey this season, who's 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 done pretty well, and you know, I mean, most of all, we'll talk about about the big man on later in the in the podcast, but he was. Um, it was just great to see Wesley back back in back on that on that bench, and and touching on Barkley, um, you know he I thought he did have a good game. I think I was I was looking at a, a tweet earlier today. It's um, from uh, a, a site called PGR, and it was Ross Barkley against West Brom. Obviously, he won the penalty. We've got a ninety five percent pass accuracy, three key passes, a hundred percent. Dribble success rate and and four ground duels won, um, and he he only lost he lost possession the second least out of out of the whole team. Now that might not be saying much, um, given 
the passing wasn't great within the team generally, but, but there's some you know some reasonable kind of kind of stats there, and and maybe it was a good game for him to to, to get back and you know find a bit of space in the middle of the park against West Brom, and you know he he certainly did have more of an impact than he's he's probably had since the Southampton game. So you know I was pleased pleased to see him out there, um, you know, but. Uh, you know, just sort of moving on to the match, it's, you know, started brightly enough. Um, Dean Smith's men, you know, passing it around quite nicely, you know, playing playing through the lines well. Um, and eventually there was a, a lovely move involving, I think, possibly Watkins, Traore, um, and the ball broke to, to, to Ross Barkley, who, who took a touch, a nice, nice touch, and, and drew the foul um, from a Jay who, uh, who brought him down and, and the penalty was given. Um, there's there's three things that are sure in life: uh, uh, death, taxes, and and Anwar Al Ghazi scoring against West Bromwich Albion. <laughs> so um, he, he he was the man who had to take that penalty, and um, yeah, made no mistake. Beat Sam Johnston, um, no problem at all. And that's his that's his what does it, what is it? His seventh Premier League goal of the season. Um, he's eighth in all competitions. You know his fifth goal in six against West Brom, so you know he's he's certainly you know got some decent numbers uh, this season for sure. Uh, second top goal scorer behind Ollie Watkins in the goal charts. Um, a few players at Villa they divide divide opinion like El Ghazi does. Um, you know, some he's he's kind of the the archetypal Marmite player. Um, you either love him or you hate him. Um, but it's 15 goals in two seasons and, and with Trezeguet injured now, you know, is it worth keeping, really looking to keep Anwar Al Ghazi around and and really make him a, a you know a, you know a part of the squad going forward? For me, I think that you have to keep him now, and it doesn't really come down to the Trezeguet injury because we don't know the length of what that injury is going to be. It did look like a nasty one, so I think it's going to be longer term. But I think even outside of that, you keep Al Ghazi just for the fact of what you just said. You know, second top goal scorer for Villa, only tra- trailing Watkins. Um, you know, when Jack comes back, there's probably not going to be a lot of opportunities for anybody to come off of the bench and get minutes. With Birch and Traore, you know, we've seen how good he can be in phases, but for me, he hasn't been consistent enough. I'm sure, and again, it's his first year in the Premier League, you know, I, I fully understand that and everything, but I just think that Anwar Ghazi is a good player to have around for games like this, the kind of scrappier games where he can go out there and turn into the Dutch Ronaldo for seemingly no reason. Um, I, I like that he does that, and I like that he still has that kind of passion to p- play for the club. Um, it really seems like he gives his all in really physical games. So I would keep him around as a depth rotational option. I, the big thing is, is he going to be okay with that? And is his, is his agent going to be okay with that? And that, that's, that's really what it comes down to. And it, I hate to see him so cut and dry about it, but that, that's really what it is. If he's comfortable with his role and he wants to stay here, it seems like he really does play and really does enjoy playing for Aston Villa. Long may that continue, but he's got to understand that if he does that, there's going to be a role to play, especially with these players that we're probably going to bring in in the summer. Does that leave him out in the cold? Does that make you know make him more determined to drive forward i don't know craig for, for me though i would keep him around i think you, you you i think you do keep him i think for for those reasons just mentioned um, so eloquently there by mark i think that he he is absolutely part of the squad i think the team seemed to be um 
you know, into him. He seems to be a popular member of the squad. You know, people are really happy for him. Tyrone Mings obviously came out earlier in the season after the Wolves goal to support um, Al Ghazi publicly. After Al Ghazi came off social media after some um, terrible abuse he received from some sections of the villa, I won't call them fans, uh, some sections associating themselves with Aston Villa. Um, I actually had a look at the Premier League goal charts and Anwar Al Ghazi, if you're not sitting down, sit down. If you're driving, pull over. Anwar Al Ghazi this season has more Premier League goals than Tammy Abraham, Gareth Bale, Firmino, Richarlison, uh, Rafina, Grealish, James Rodriguez, Werner, Greenwood and Kevin De Bruyne. Now, that is fantastic. I'm not... Uh, now, yeah, I know I'm not saying before before you I could before you furiously hate tweet me. No, I'm not saying Anwar Alkazi is better than those players. But these goals, it's not nothing. Yes, there are lots of penalties in there, but you've still got to score the penalties, which is easier said than done sometimes, especially with Aston Villa in recent years. He is incredibly inconsistent, but he does have something about him. And I said in a, in a, in a pod maybe a couple of months back, I think at some point. And with El Ghazi, he's going to have one season where everything clicks and he's going to be unstoppable. I hope that he stays. And one of the reasons I hope that he stays is because, yeah, he's a good he's a good squad member. Those numbers that he has are, you know, well above and beyond. You can really, uh, you know, you, can, you can't complain about his numbers. You can complain about his consistency. No one can complain about his numbers. 15 goals in the last two seasons for El Ghazi, a guy that cost, what, 8 million quid? That's incredible. It's an incredible turnaround, especially as he's not a starter either this season. So I think you do keep him around. But as Mark says, is he going to be happy on the bench? And the other reason you keep him around is there's probably going to be lots of changes. You don't want too much squad churn. We saw what happened last season uh, where we had, you know, 13 senior players. We had to bring in 13 brand new players. It took a long time for those guys to mesh. So I don't want to see too much of a squad churn either. So for me, and will Algarzi keep? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm one of these that I, I can't make, make up my mind. I did mention there that he's a Marmite sort of player. Some people love him, some people hate him. I can't decide either way myself. So it's kind of, um, it's a tricky one. I, I always hold the, as I've said uh, said before, the, the 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 playoff winners, um, playoff winning team in in very high regard, and he he scored a goal in that in that final as well. I've always had a lot of respect for for Al Ghazi. I think he's I think he's a player who 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 wants to be really really top draw, and and, and I think he's responded really well from the early days under Dean Smith. He's responded really, really well to what Dean Smith asked him to do and the extra bits of the game that maybe weren't part of his game when he signed are now very much part of his game. Um, is he brilliant at the, the, the dirty side of the game? No, not at all. But he's, he's, he's certainly better than he was and he certainly applies himself to it. Having said that, you know, you rewind, you know, around ten months, and he's he's missing a, a guilt edge chance at Everton, and I'm screaming, I don't ever want to see him playing for my club again, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so there, there's 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 the night and shade, isn't there, with El Ghazi, and and um, yeah, I <laughs> I struggle. I I agree with you, Craig. You, we don't we don't want a lot of squad churn, and you know, when you've got players with 
um, who are out injured as well. You don't want to have to keep on um, rehashing the team. I certainly think we need one or two extra forward players, perhaps a centre forward and a and an inside forward. You know, to, to go into the squad for next season. But but El, for me, El Ghazi is is a is a player now who is quite a dangerous player at Premier League level. You know, he will do something. He will come into the side and do a job. Um, and often comes away on the score sheet. So um, no complaints for me. He's also fought his way back this season. I think he was he was he was out of the reckoning at the start of the season, and and he's 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 fought his way in. And now I think he's he's probably a, a definite starter. He has got something about him, hasn't he? There is something there with him that you can see. There's this. There is something. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his soft olive skin, or maybe it's his uh, rabonas and his tricks. But there is something about him that you think there, there is something there. And I, I think I do think he's. I, I agree with you. But he can frustrate. I think there was a game a couple of weeks ago um, where he was just completely dog muck shall we say like wasn't running wasn't trying couldn't trap a football um but then there's other times where he can beat beat a couple of men and and, and rifle a shot into you know into the uh well n- not normally into the top corner but at least he gets it on target normally so uh, it's really is an interesting one but as a member of the squad i think he's he, i do think he's 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 good to have around but uh he will infuriate you on occasion won't he yeah, he'll, he'll infuriate you. I mean, I'm starting to notice, like Andy, it had me thinking, as, as Andy said it, about how he's gotten better since his arrival to Aston Villa. And the thing that I that I noticed the most is he doesn't immediately try to shield the ball and pass it backwards whenever he gets pressure, like when he's carrying the ball and he has a defender like coming right at him to try and mark him tightly. It almost seems like he's okay with trying the little one-two, maybe from heel to toe to get past the defender, spin off of him, get forward. But then again, you know, we saw it, you know, in the beginning of the season, he was shooting for fun. I mean, yeah, and some of them ball, some of them <laughs> balls ended up bouncing down the M6, but you know, he, he was still he was still shooting at will. And I like to see that. Ha- have a pop, you know, if you if you feel you can do it, have a pop. And you know, we we've seen him score some some cracking goals over the, over the years too. But he's definitely gotten better. You know, he's in my good graces. I think you have to keep him because again, like Craig said, you know, it takes a it takes a special personality for another personality like Tyrod Mings to stand up whenever your boy's getting harassed. You know, on on social media so obviously there's got to be some something there that he's very well liked in that room and like i said long may continue i think i think he has a place at aston villa it's just again it all comes down to him yeah definitely i think uh, i think that's that's absolutely right and i think we've got a few players like that you know some that are still maybe yet to really grasp grasp the nettle and some that that clearly have having been maybe written off um early on but um I mean, you know, back back to the game. Um, sadly, Villa's bright start didn't last too long as uh, just a few minutes later, Esri Konza conceded what looked like a, a really soft penalty um, with, you know, the Arsenal Loney, uh, Maitland-Niles um, falling very the- theatrically for a very little contact. But, but this is what happens, I think, in the modern game. They were making the point on the telly that, you know, that... Players go down now and give the ref a decision to make, and by and large, these 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 decisions are being given these days. Um, the second uh, penalty of the match um, converted by Pereira, who really caught the eye for West Bromwich Albion. Um, 
you know, he he really had a lot of the Villa fans purring on Twitter um, as he as he um, you know really <laughs> supplemented his goal by sending Douglas Louise for a kebab <laughs> with a wonderful piece of skill on the byline, um, and Pereira also um, hit the crossbar um, with a cracking effort uh, from the free kick. Um, it went in all square um, at half time, um, you know. But second half came out, and uh, before we knew it, we were, we were two one down with a, a very sort of strange goal conceded, um, and a mistake from from Esri Konza sort of led to this one, um, and eventually the, the the shot went in off off Tyro Mings. Um, Konza presumably joined uh, Matty Cash, Emmy Martinez and Mings on Dean Smith's naughty step as players who have all made costly errors in recent weeks. What, what do you think is um, going wrong at, at the back for Villa at the moment? Usually so so reliable back there, but one or two errors starting to creep in, creep in lately, Greg? Yeah, it's really disappointing because we thought that, um, you know, we were saying probably weeks ago that uh, Martinez was going to smash this Brad Friedel uh, uh, clean sheet record and, and, um, and, you know, with only six games to go, you know, you don't know where the next clean sheet is coming from because, again, Villa seemed to have a bit of a rick in them. I think that there are some mitigating circumstances for this. I don't think it's all on the defence, but certainly, you know, Konza, you know, and, and I'm not even going to criticise Konza. We all know what, what Konza is and what Konza's done this season and at the end of last season. Uh, but, you know, fair's fair. He made a mistake and cost us some goals. Uh, Cash had a moment of madness against Man City. Martinez, um, you know, had, had some issues as well um, with maybe the Man City second goal. But I think some of some of the issue is we're back to some of the old problems from last year where Villa aren't looking after the football properly and we're getting caught in transition. Um, lots of misplaced passes, particularly from the midfielders yesterday. Uh, interesting to see that Ross Barkley uh, stat that you gave there, um, Andy, about 95% uh, pass completion. I'd love to see what McGinn's was and Louise was. It seemed like the two of them couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't cross couldn't couldn't pass a football to save their lives yesterday uh, against West Brom. So, not keeping the football automatically puts your defence under more pressure. So I think the defence have been under more pressure, but also they've been cracking under that pressure. So I'm guessing it's a combination of kind of mental fatigue. There hasn't been a lot of rotation going on. And I'm, I'm not sure they're being protected well by the, 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 the midfielders in front of them, as I've just said. But um, it's just part of a wider malaise. I think that um, we said last week that we don't think the Villa players are on the beach, and I stand by that. But I think there, there's been... I'm going to say there's been a psychological drop-off from the players because the stakes are not as high. Um, Villa players for the last four years, five years, have been playing kind of knockout football every week. Like it's do or die. We must win. We must get something. And this is the first time um, um, Matt Mayer from the uh, Express and Star tweeted earlier, Villa have only played five games in something like the last 10 years where they've been mathematically safe from relegation. So I think that safety, even if you're not consciously aware of it, the subconscious, I think, has, has crept in. And I think the, the stakes just aren't that high. So so naturally, the players aren't focused like they should be, probably. Yeah, I agree. I was telling Andy before we recorded the pod, um, I saw this tweet. I wish I could remember who it was from. Um, 
but uh, only twice in nine years have Villa gotten to April 26, knowing what division they're going to play in next season. Um, that's that's psychologically, you know, damaging. And I'm not trying to be over dramatic about it, but there is kind of a PTSD kind of thing going on whenever you have to play you know do or die football all the time over and over and over again you know we saw it when we had to slide down the premier league years ago circle the drain for a long time end up in the championship finishing 13th you know we all know how it went down but still like it's hard it's it's still hard to keep switched on when the stakes aren't as high you know villa have been here before these players have been here before especially the past two seasons where it was it was do or die football you had to show up every single game because you didn't know if it was going to be the decision between going up in the premier league or staying in the premier league that's damaging to a point when you don't have much to play for i know a lot of people thought with the signings we made that we'd end up in a european spot and no one wanted it more more than me and i you know i said that but i was also okay with just a flat out boring season and that's kind of what we got. As good as we looked this season, it was still a boring season to a point, and I'm okay with that. Um, I don't know if you gentlemen would agree with it, but that's that's definitely how I feel about it, at least. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And I think when when we got promoted, I did kind of I braced myself for the fact that if we weren't going to be fighting relegation, we were going to have weeks at the end of the season where you know, there's nothing really riding on it for us. Yeah, because that's the nature of the Premier League. You know, in the Championship, you've kind of always got that either the playoffs to to shoot for or or avoiding relegation. The the league is always always so sort of concertinaed together. Whereas in the Premier League, it isn't like that. You can you can just be banging mid-table and 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 not have anything to, much to play for after about February. So, you know, it's 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 a, it's a really tricky situation like you say we we we're, we're used to this kind of the, the the kind of kamikaze nature of of the championship and obviously the relegation battle last season and the ones before we got relegated. Um and you know, it, it it takes a while, doesn't it, for for us as fans to to realise that actually, you know, a lot of football games there's there's not an awful lot riding on them, and and it's fine. And either way, you know, you win some, you lose some, don't you? And and if you are in that position, the likelihood is you you're going to lose as many as you win, and and that's that's um, just the nature of, of 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 league football, and that's the nature of the Premier League as as it is at the moment. Now, obviously, look look looking forward, we're wanting to, you know, to push a bit higher. So we we are involved in the upper reaches of Premier League later in the season. But at the moment, I'm I'm more than happy with 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 what we've achieved, and there's nothing wrong with getting your work done early and switching off. You know, there's that's that's fine. I'd rather be in that position than. Than the other way around, and like last season, having to catch up and 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 fight for our lives. So, um, you know, very pleased with with how it's going, and a little bit bemused by by some of the overreactions from from some of the Villa fans at the moment. Yeah, do you think? Oh, go ahead, go. I was just saying, guys. Do do you think that the overreaction is because we don't have any drama? Do we think that we're kind of we've been so used to this these dramatic end of seasons and we don't have anything to be dramatic about, so we're kind of as a fan base creating our own drama really out of nothing, where probably people from outside the club are looking at it and saying, Well, you guys set up by a point, 
last last season, Hawkeye, which obviously all the other opposition <laughs> fans love to talk about. Um, you, you're comfortably a mid table, and you're doing it kind of without your best player. What what's what? Why are you getting so excited? I think so. I think that's what it is, at least for me. I think that there's no drama, and sometimes drama breeds entertainment, even if you don't like the brand of the entertainment. And that's, you know, diving down the psychological hole of sports again, but it, that, that's really what it is for me. I think that there's not a lot going on, especially recently, you know, because our forms dip so bad. But I, I just I just think that that's what it is. You have to, it's almost like people want to create drama or create their own little headlines on their Twitter feed just to kind of, I guess make things a little bit more interesting what they are you know and I I still think Villa are headed in an upward trajectory I talk about it all the time especially with you know if there's friends I have over here that are expats my one buddy's a big Bournemouth fan and he's even said like he's followed a couple Villa accounts that I follow on Twitter and he goes why are you guys freaking out so bad like that, that's a that's a positive season like there's there's no there's no shame in finishing mid-table when you when you survived this the previous season at 17th he was like I don't understand some of your fans man and I was like well you know that that fan tag is very selective you have to be very careful when you're using the fan to the supporter thing you have to be very selective because some of them I, I think just just like to breed the drama and, and you know kind to make people feel like their opinion's the only opinion and things like that but yeah i mean like i said from from a cherries fan he's just like you guys need to settle down this is progress he was like so what would you would you take 11th this season to be seventh you know next season that's absolutely i don't know any villa fan that wouldn't yeah and i think this is where some of the the smith out stuff comes from because it's it's almost they want something to talk about they want or they want something to happen it's it's not you know, I often think this. Um, you get more managerial um, talk, sort of outside of the, the transfer windows, don't you? Because during transfer windows, people are focused on signing and selling players, um, whereas there's none of that in between. So it's all about changing the manager, and it's almost like people want something new, something different all the time. Whereas in actual fact. What we have at the moment is 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 a really good thing with a really good coach who's who's got a vision, um, and he's working towards that vision. Now, things can change, and he might lose lose his way, um, but I don't think he's lost his way just yet. And um, I think sometimes it's okay to 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 not express any not express an opinion, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, just for the sake of it. That's 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 my view. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put out an, an olive branch to the Smith Out Brigade listening today because um, I might have been slightly critical and slightly dismissive of 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 their um, feelings and some of them have, have voiced that on Twitter saying that they're not being listened to or people just think they're stupid. I don't think you're stupid. You're entitled to your opinion if you think that Dean Smith needs to be sacked right now for the future of Aston Villa. That's your opinion and you're entitled to it. But respectfully, I would disagree. And I would urge you to have a little bit more patience. And I will say that I will join you. Once Dean Smith starts taking Aston Villa notices to be black backward, for example, if we have a relegation scrap next year, and you know it's 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 clear we're 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 in trouble, I might well join you as a Smith out. But for right now, you know, from thirteenth in the championship to promotion the first season, ten game winning run. Cup final last year kept us up to a midfield table season. Um, this year, to use uh, Mark's term, it's not just an upward trajectory. It's kind of like a rocket ship. So let's at least let the rocket fall before we call for Smith out. That's all I would say. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And then uh, my my point to the the Smith out um, supporters is, you know, we we have very wealthy investors and you know owners of the football club. They don't spend that much money to try and get this guy a squad without some level of faith and trust. So just just trust how it is. Like Craig said, if it starts moving backwards, you got to make a, a tough decision, regardless of where he's from, where he grew up, what his accent is. You know, I'm not saying those are the sole reasons, but it definitely helps Dean Smith in a, in a lot of occasions. But yeah, if it, if we start moving backwards here, they're gonna they're gonna have a tough judgment call to make. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd echo all that, and uh, yeah, just to just to return to the game again, guys. Villa huffed and puffed, um, but couldn't blow Sam Allardyce's resolute house down with Watkins missing a one-on-one, which I, I, I think he should have gone across the keeper there. Bertrand Traore hit the woodwork. And even um, there was a thunderbolt of a shot from, from Al Mohamedi, which would have been probably goal of the season or second behind Louis Barry, at least. Um, <laughs> but we just could not find the breakthrough and uh, enter uh, Mr. Keenan Davis, who really did come on and provide a spark. He was unlucky to not to have scored... A couple of goals before um, uh, he did, and uh, it was a, a really sort of blistering cameo from him. And he had West Brom really push back on the ropes. I thought in that that final ten minutes, um, but he did finally get his goal, and uh, it was a, a you know a nice cross by John McGinn to the back post, headed on by um, Ollie Watkins, and uh, a real mess up in the in the West Brom defence, and. Uh, Keenan just just nipped in and and poked it into the net past Sam Johnson. Um, I mean, firstly, guys, has there ever been a more deserving Villa goalscorer than than Keenan Davis? And secondly, with Villa's mooted interest in bringing in a new striker in the summer, as well as the return of Wesley, what does the future hold for for Davis? Well. In my opinion, and, and long-time listeners of the podcast will know this, I love Keenan Davis. I've always loved Keenan Davis because he's looked at as an underdog. I know that his goal-scoring, obviously, his goal-scoring record isn't great, but the physicality he brings to the game, the enthusiasm, it seems like he's really out there trying when he does get on. So I don't think there's been a more deserving goal-scorer for Villa other than Keenan. Um, it's just it's, it's, it's a very tricky situation because now you look in the past three games, Keenan Davis has a goal and an assist. You know, we only have so many games to go. And, I, you know, again, I talked about that, trialing out Ollie Watkins on the right just to make sure what happens. I don't I don't really think Dean Smith would do that unless he's in a pinch like we saw against Baggies, but I would like to see it. And you're right, he had, he had more than a couple chances. I mean, there were things, the, the last phase of this game, if if you didn't know who was playing and, and put it black and white, you might think it was Bristol City playing Luton Town. Honestly, because like it was that mad, you had balls going off the post. You had you know people heading it wide. You had all these. It was it was very entertaining for for a game that you know at, at moments wasn't that entertaining at all. But as far as the future for him, now I I wrote something about this. It'll be on the, the under a gaslit lamp website soon. I just sent it to Regan last night because I really feel that I really feel that now the ball is supremely at Keenan and Davis's feet, and if he's going to take advantage. Uh, it's got to be now and it's got to be from now until the end of the season um you know it's great to have Wesley back amazing moment seeing him back after 480 days but I don't know you're starting to have you're starting to have a little bit of a log jam up there and where's the trust going to be is it going to be in Keenan is it going to be in Wesley they paid a hell of a lot more money for Wesley than they did for Keenan Davis so I I don't know Craig do you you have a do you have a preference to wonder do you think we keep all three or do you think we need to go get a, a striker 
I think we need to do lots of I think we need to do all of those things um, and you're like all of them how can you do all of them okay so here, here's my plan first of all delighted with Keenan Davis so happy for him I was grinning from ear to ear um, you know the guy uh, you know I didn't know anything about him and, and Steve Bruce I don't give Steve Bruce a lot of love um, because I, I think he's terrible but what I do give Steve Bruce credit for is he threw in Keenan Davis and I'll still always remember that debut um, I think it was his first start against Norwich. Harahan scored a hat trick, but Davis absolutely ran them ragged. They didn't know, they could not deal with him whatsoever. And it was the same thing against Fulham, um, where he came on against Fulham. Fulham couldn't handle him. He created chaos, and he was the catalyst for us winning that game 3 1. And he was also the catalyst yesterday. It was absolute chaos in that baggage defence. They did not know what to do with Keenan Davis. Now, Keenan Davis has all the things that you need to have. He has the strength, he has the size, he has the hold-up play, he has good technical ability. And he's only 22, but he's not really 22. He's not a 22 that's come through an academy and has played England Youth Internationals. He's a 22-year-old who is kind of a non-league 22-year-old. I would equate him to, to Ollie Watkins. Where was Ollie Watkins three or four years ago while well, he was at Exeter City? Which is probably where Davis should be, but he finds himself at a Premier League club. So... I've talked around the point here, but what I'm saying is I think at 25 or 26 with the right development, Davis could be something special for Aston Villa Football Club. There's a reason that Perslow and Smith gave him a four-year deal last year. It's because they see it too. Now, is he ready right now? Yeah, he's ready to make an impact against certain teams because we've seen it. He's proven it in the last couple of games against um, the, where, where he's scored and he's, he's, he's made some things happen. So what I would do with Keenan Davis is I would send him out on loan for a year or maybe even two years in the championship uh, to let him be the main man. I mean, maybe, I mean, this could be, maybe Keenan Davis could even squeeze a loan from one of the promoted clubs. I mean, would a Norwich or a, or a Watford or a, uh, whoever else comes up, would they take a chance on a Keenan Davis on loan? I mean, if he could get a Premier League loan, that would be incredible. But I think I would send him out on loan. And a lot will depend also on what condition Wesley's in moving forward, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But uh, Greg Evans in The Athletic has said uh, in an article this morning, Villa are going to sign a striker this year. So for sure, something has to give. But um, Davis, I think... Don't worry about Davis now. I think we have to worry about what can Davis be at 25, 26. And I think he could be something quite special by then. I think that's a really good shout because he has been around for ages, hasn't he? Keenan Davis. And, and you know, as much as um, you sort of think, you know, he needs to go, he needs to go, he needs to go and play. There's undoubtedly talent there, isn't there? You know, he, he's he, it's not just he's not just a, a, a big lump up front he he's got touch he's got a touch he's got a turn of pace he's got a trick you know the one thing that he's always been missing is goals you know when he came into the team um he was kind of thrown into the team wasn't he by Steve Bruce because Codger was injured and Scott Hogan was rubbish and um you know we needed someone to to, to, to lead the line and he for a good sort of couple of months he did brilliantly leading the line um, but he just didn't have the goals in him but you could tell other players around him absolutely loved having him there because the space he created for them particularly Conor Hurahan so you know obviously we're in the Premier League now so it's a, a little bit different 
But I'll tell you where I I think his best position is, and that's maybe playing playing in the channels. So play him in the front three. Play rather than moving Watkins, who's there's no reason to move Watkins. Play play Davis in the channel in that in the half space, as people say, um, causing havoc between you know in the, those areas that defenders just hate defending in. I slightly and I think you'll see. Go on. <laughs> I, I I slightly disagree with you. I I I want to see. I do agree with you. I want to see Davis and Watkins together, and I'll be banging that drum. But I think, I think um, I see I see Watkins' future as 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 the right side of our front three. It seems clear at this point that Dean Smith is not going to get rid of this four two three one as much as we're calling for four four two or three five two or two up top. It seems clear at this point that he's not going to do it. So I'm not going to keep smashing my head on a brick wall hoping for something which isn't coming forward. But I think we saw yesterday and I think we see, you know, Watkins can hold up the ball. He can do it, but that's not his strength. His strength is is pulling players wide. It's running the channels. It's dragging centre-backs out of position. I mean, I think that when everyone's fit, Villa's best front three, and I said this when, when, when Wesley was first coming back, is Grealish probably left. Wesley in the middle, Watkins on the right. But I think it'll be interesting because if Greg Evans is right, and Greg Evans is obviously very well connected with uh, Aston Villa uh, as he's the athletic uh, correspondent, if Villa are going to be signing a striker, I don't assume they'll be signing a striker to sit on the bench, which would mean Watkins move wide. And then perhaps if Watkins is moving wide, maybe then there's less of a need for us to sign a winger. I don't know. What what, what do you guys think? Uh, I I could see that happening, to be honest. I mean, you're the, the thing for me with with the Keenan and, and the Wesley talk and how it all fits together and how you how you kind of you know start to build this puzzle a little bit. My thing is is you know it still comes down to Louis Berry, you know. So say that like Craig was just talking about if you do send Keenan Davis on loan for a season or even two seasons, if if it comes down to it, he's on he's on a termed contract. You know, we we can do that. He might not be happy with it, but for his development, I think it would do wonders for him. I've said that in, in previous years. I thought it would have done wonders for him, but. You know, with the Louis Berry thing, you know, what happens if, you know, Louis Berry gets his chance and now we're talking about a, now a player that can play, you know, centrally or on off the left and Barry. So I don't know. It's just it's it's such a unique, you know, decision. But I, I wouldn't be upset to see Watkins. I mean, it's it's going to sound crazy because Watkins scored these bag full of goals this season. And, you know, you just most people would just say, well, just keep him there. Just bang on. But. I don't know. I think he offers something different off the flanks, even when he gets pushed out that way, like when the defense just pushes him or, you know, on the counterattack when he finds that people don't know how to deal with his his pace. And I know it's great to have a striker that can do the the hold up the ball and the, you know, the fast pace at the same time. But I don't know. Is it is it worth trialing? I'm not sure. I, I hope it is. That'd be great. I'd, I'd love to see him, you know, banging crosses, you know, across into the into the box for Wesley. I would love to see that. I think that would be great. But I'm not sure that Dean Smith's going to experiment that much until he's in a game decision where he, he has to make that call. I mean, it's interesting. The, the other thing I was just thinking there is, um, you know, this this idea. We've always been, ever since um, we we went up, we've been shorter strikers. You know, last year we only really had Wesley. Codger was injured and useless. You know, Davis was injured. You leave hey. my Jimmy Danger alone. <laughs> I w- I won't I won't have a bad. You leave my Jimmy Danger alone. <laughs> 
anyway okay all right struck a nerve there but um we only really had for, for the most part we only had wesley and then after christmas we only really had samata and then neither samata or davis were, were particularly firing after restart this year we've just had ollie watkins the whole season what is wrong with having three centre forwards in the squad? You know, we've got nine substitutes and we pick a whole back four on the subs bench. You know, why can't we have two strikers like we did last night? You know, surely when you, if you're chasing a game, that gives you far better opportunity. And I don't want to get all Steve Bruce because that was his thing, wasn't he? Just pile all the strikers on the field. But, you know, to have an option... Either that or Chris Samba. Do you remember when he threw Chris Samba up there? Some, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you want you want a striker that's gonna that's gonna stretch a defence and run in behind. Sometimes you want someone to aim at. You know, it's horses for courses, isn't it? And you know, we some some games this season we haven't had any strikers on the bench. So I just like to have three good centre forwards at the club that we can we that we can rotate. Maybe Ollie Watkins does not have to play every week. He's done very well this season. Twelve goals is a good amount. It's not an outstanding amount of goals. You know, maybe we need someone with a bit of greater Premier League goal scoring pedigree or some sort of goal scoring pedigree, and 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 Watkins, you know, to to maybe play as a more of a support role for him. Maybe. Maybe Watkins is going to go on next season and, and and be dynamite in front of goal. Who knows? But um, it's 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 just a it's just a, tr- a tricky um, kind of thing to talk about because if you criticise Watkins, you upset people, and uh, I don't want to criticise him, but I sometimes feel like he hasn't scored as many goals I think as people assume he has, and. Uh, yeah, no, he should have scored. I, I, I agree with you, and and I'll I'll join you, Andy, on the Ollie Watkins criticism because you can criticise without hammering him, and you're being fair. I, I, you know, I said weeks ago on this podcast, and I'll say again, Ollie Watkins has, uh, he is performing below his XG numbers, which in 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 lay terms means he should have scored more goals. It's just a fact, and that doesn't mean he's bad. It doesn't mean he's had a bad season. He's had a very good season, and he's a very good player. And Andy's absolutely right. He should not be playing every minute of every game. That is not a good thing. That shouldn't be happening. He needs to be protected a bit more. And we can see certain games, uh, the Newcastle game stands out where he was just out on his feet. You know, the poor guy, he needed a rest and he hasn't been able to have that. But I suppose the interesting thing is now with Wesley back, with Barry coming through, with um, Keenan Davis coming into form, Watkins is already there, as well as this next striker that Greg Evans says we're signing in the summer. Something has to give. So whether that is someone going out on loan, whether that is Watkins moving wide, something has to give because we, we, we certainly can't sustain five strikers. No, possibly, possibly not. And we might as well touch on, on, on Wesley. Um, 480 game, uh, 480 days, sorry, out, out of, out of action. And, um, after that, that horror challenge really by Ben Mee, which went unpunished at the time, I seem to remember, um, you know he's had a he's had a hell of a road back, and he's. I've been following it on on Instagram. His Instagram's been uh, been quite inspirational at times. You just see him getting better and better and better, and uh, and he came on last night. Had a had a a bit of a header. Could have won it late on for us, which would have been, 
I don't think I'd have been able to contain myself if that if that ball had gone in the net <laughs> off his head. Um, but I mean, this is we might as well discuss. You know, Wesley. You know what what happens to him next season? Do you think? Well, I think yeah, absolutely. We have to think about Wesley and what happens to him next season. But you're absolutely right, Andy. What a um, what what a journey for Wesley. An absolute terrible tackle from Ben Mee, but I don't want to waste my breath talking about him uh, because he's done it to other players as well. He did it to Joe Gomez, and he, he me and Tarkovsky seem to, to seem to get away with absolute murder. Um, but anyway, back to Wesley. The fortitude of this man to come back from the personal obstacles he's overcome in his life and to come over, overcome this injury. Dean Smith is a man who's been in football, you know, for over 30 years. And he said yesterday in his interview, this is the worst injury I've ever seen. So for Wesley to even get back on the pitch is a big deal. It's a victory. It means that he can, you know, whatever happens moving forward, he can say, I return to the Premier League after having my knee ligaments, all three of them apparently sliced in half. That is a big deal. Now, if we're going to, after we congratulate him for that, we do have to probably take a little bit of the rose-tinted spectacles off and look at it moving forward. I suppose the first question is, how is the knee going to hold up? Will it hold up? If it does hold up, what kind of level will it hold up at? Um, Can he return to his previous level? And can he fulfill his potential? Does Wesley too need a loan? maybe uh, to a lower Premier League team or or to the championship for a year to get his fitness back? Um, Do we have the freedom to nurse him back into health or will, uh, you know, in in Premier League minutes or do we we need someone who's ready to go right now uh, for the beginning of next season, should I say? Or will a pre-season, I mean, there's more questions than answers. So I don't know what the answer is. I'm very happy for, for Wesley. First and foremost, congratulations to the big man. Um, But I think his, reappearance yesterday actually gives us more questions than answers i I think it does as well and fortitude's a great word in this instance uh we know from previous interviews and more recent ones you know wesley's a very proud man he's proud of where he's come from he's proud of you know what he's what just the entire journey getting to the premier league and then to have this happen to them um i'll never forgive ben me i just want to say that before before i move on because i I think that he he knew what he was doing and like craig said he does it all the time well not all the time but enough that it's it's a little suspicious um but yeah congratulations to wesley that that's great i think the biggest thing that it means for the club this summer is going to be massive for wesley and it has nothing to do with the transfer market so in his rehabilitation from these three ligaments going down he's going to have to do um and he probably has already started this and that's why they they put him on the bench and gave him just a little bit of time at the end of the game he's going to have to start doing impact uh drills or impact rehab which is basically you know coming down on the knee from jumping and doing things to where you're in these obscene looking exercise machines and we've seen that he's already doing that but now it's going to have to get to the point where it's almost like he won't get time off because you're rehabbing something that's so serious. And I especially think that that's going to be the case after those Dean Smith comments about it being the worst injury he's seen in 30 years of football. Um, that even though it's been a long time and even though it's been the, you know, 480 days, he's still on a road to recovery. Um, I hope that's respected and understood within the fan base. This ends careers for athletes. It doesn't matter if you're an Olympic sprinter. It doesn't matter if you're a skier, a, a you know NFL player. This will ruin a career. And for the man to you know go on the the journey that he did, travel along that road, a lonely road during a pandemic where he can't see his family, that's tough. 
That's that's very, very difficult. I'm so thrilled for him that he's on his way back. You know, we talk about rose-tinted glasses. There are going to be some questions of what it means for the club moving forward. Personally, for me, I think the club are going to want to see return on their investment in one way or the other. So they're going to stick it out. They're going to see how he's doing. You know, if it, if it doesn't materialize or they, they go the other direction and – Craig's right. We could possibly see him, you know, on a loan just to see how the knee holds up. But just a little respect, a little bit of patience from the Villa fan base, especially when it comes to this injury, I think will do him a world of good as well. He needs to be supported. He deserves to be supported. It's been a long road back, and I, I hope to see him succeed in Claret and Blue. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, I think we'd all echo that. It's great. It is great to see him back. And um, you know, I think I think despite a difficult start to his his Villa career. Um, we were fond of him, certainly at, at the ground. He, he used to get a few pelters, but we were fond of him, and we didn't like his um, we didn't like his rolling around, faking injury too much. But um, yeah, he he's, he's he's he can learn from that, and and like 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 Mark says, I think we can uh, we can he can be a member of that squad next season. He can have that number nine shirt, and be that be that bonus striker if you like, you know. Um, that 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 kind of curveball that that we can use at times because um, I'm sure it's a way off before he's actually playing consecutive matches um, and maybe he goes on loan the year after um, if you know if if and when we get to that but yeah it's it's probably way too early to 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 be to be deciding too much about that at the moment um, but one thing that is coming up fast is the summer transfer window. Um, you know, and the after the Euros probably, but but um, you know we've got a few a few cracks in the squad, a few a few places to be decided, and and a few areas that perhaps need, given the the poor form since since uh, January time, um, a few players that that are perhaps coming towards the end of their villa their villa stay, and uh, you know there might be some patching up to do in the summer. Um, so if if you if you could have a have a pint with Johan Langer and have a chat about this, um, which which positions of the team would you would you be looking at, and which would be the most the ones that you'd be mostly prioritising? Do you think in the summer? Uh, for me, I think that if I was sitting down having a pint with with Langer, I think that I would ask him if I can get the keys to the Holt Pub. So whenever I come back, or the Holt Suite, <laughs> whenever I come over, just so I can pop in for one or two. But no, but on a serious <laughs> note, um, we talk about Elmo being gone. See if Gilbert wants to come back and stay. It seems like he's really happy over there in France. It seems like he's really, really happy. He's, I mean, I see him on Instagram all the time, posting pictures with the kids and the wife and, you know, beautiful scenes, stuff like that. If he wants to stay there, sell him on. If not, he can come back and he, he's going to back up Matty Cash. There's, there's, it's literally that cut and dry. He's going to back up Matty Cash. You know, we also have youngsters that can step into that role if needed. You're going to need a left back with Taylor going. I don't think they sign him for another season. I actually think Taylor's on his way to professional coaching. We've seen what he he's done with the Inner City Academy. We've seen him talk about, um, you know, getting getting more Asian influence in the game and, and respecting that and acknowledging that, which I think is an absolutely beautiful thing. He's bang on. He's a character. But I, I do have a feeling in the future we'll see Neil Taylor and that coaching staff in some capacity, even if, if it's with the academy. Um, I don't know what happens with Bjorn Ingles because I th- he's the forgotten man at Aston Villa. Um, Horhane's an interesting one. I I don't know. Do you give Horhane another chance now that Barkley's going to go? That's a that's a conversation probably for another day as, as we see what we're doing in the summer. 
Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably go left back, right back depth if, if you can't get it from within. And we're definitely going to have to sort out that Barkley position. And, and the, the analysis at Villa, they're going to look at all those metrics that made Barkley really, really great in the beginning of the season when, when he first came on loan. And they're going to look to see if they can splash a little bit of money to see if they can get a comparable player that's a lot more consistent. At least that's my opinion, Craig. I don't know if they will. And that's, that's a hard thing to find, too. But I just have a feeling that that's how it's going to go down. Yeah, I think um, I think we've, we've spoken about this before. This is the um, the Robert McKenzie um, um, tactic, apparently used with Cambiasso at Leicester. Um, so Robert McKenzie, Rob McKenzie's at Villa now, and apparently Cambiasso was um, was kind of modelled, and they found Ndidi. Um, they brought in. So the idea is you bring in an experienced international, um, you you plug him up to all the machines and the GPS, and and you look at what he has, and then you use that profile that. That, that information, that training profile, that match profile to find a player who's younger and cheaper. Um, so that is allegedly what Barkley was here for this year. So who knows who that player is? Um, but if I was going to have a whisper in, in Johan Langer's ear, I would say, Johan, mate, um, I think you've got to you've got to get a big bastard in the middle is what I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree and, with that. and that that might seem like a uh, that you know that might seem like a '90s throwback because it is a '90s throwback, and we did have a couple of big mean you know Ian Taylor could play uh, when he was in the middle, but boy, you and me could Ian Taylor put it about a bit, you know. So I think we need a little bit of that. When I look at our midfield, when I see um, whether it's Douglas, whether it's Sanson, whether it's John McGinn, uh, whether it's Harahan, when if if he's coming back, I don't think he is. Um, uh, marvelous they're all diminutive players without lots of physical attributes which is fine if you're David Silva or you're Phil Foden or you're Fernandinho but but they're not so I think that we're really missing a, a big presence in the midfield um, a, a big defense a big destroying defensive midfielder um, I would look at Sanderberg. I've spoken about Sanderberg. I've spoken about Bissouma at Brighton. Uh, there's also a lad, uh, Ivory Coast International, Sangari, who just uh, was making waves in France at Toulouse and then moved to PSV for only about nine million quid. I don't know what kind of... Uh, I, I'd still think he's, he's also done really well in the Dutch league as well. Um, so I would see if he's available. I think we do need the presence in, 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 in the middle. And also, I suppose you've got to figure out what's going on with the academy, you know, how many players are the academy going to provide this year? Um, is Kessler going to come in as the the backup right back, for example, if Gilbert's on his way? I don't think we have a left back off the top of my head who's ready to come in. So for sure, we'll need a left back. Rico Henry's a player, obviously, that's, that's always linked with Villa, with the Warsaw and Dean Smith and Brentford connection. Also a local lad, so someone like him. And obviously, uh, Draxler, I've spoken about uh, if, uh, a number of times. I'm buying you a kit. I'm buying you a Draxler kit for Christmas. <laughs> and then there's the one that can't go away. Um, the one that can't go away, Andy, the one that we read about every day, the return of Tammy Abraham. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's the one He's the one that I'm waiting for. I can remember years ago, um, wanted, uh, for two years, absolutely desperate for Stan Collymore to sign for Aston Villa and uh, this Tammy Abraham one feels very similar um, I hope it turns out if it does happen I hope it turns out better than 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 Stan's time at Villa but um, yeah he's he's definitely the one I think we we want and I think he's the one we 
the the one we need really and I think he'll he'll he will vastly improve that front line. Um but yeah it's what it's what you do around it. I mean so much depends on 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 who who leaves the club I think um you know it, as well and what what holes we need to fill. I've I've been a big Rico Henry fan as well. Again, Brentford could go up. That's that might scupper that. Um, a lot of people talk about Buendia as well at um, at Norwich. Some big clubs after him, I think Arsenal um, being one of them. So you know it's going to be a it's going to be a tricky market as well to to navigate in the summer. I think there's there's not going to be huge deals flying around. Um, I think clubs will keep their powder dry till quite late on. Um, I don't think there's going to be an awful lot awful lot of movement before August and I think it's um it's about holding our nerve really um unless maybe one or two are, are are already sort of in the pipeline as we speak so um we'll just have to see it'd be an interesting summer and I think there's a lot of talk that Villa Villa intend to to go reasonably big um so we'll 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 wait and see and uh you know, maybe maybe one or two targets will emerge from the Euros as well. That 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 sometimes happens as well. So we'll we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see on that one. But yeah, uh, get I Tammy Abraham to Villa. I agree. Yeah, well, I'd I'd love Tammy, but then again, that that goes back to our earlier conversation. If Tammy's coming in, he's not coming in to go on the bench, which means Ollie Watkins, right wing mate. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I think the same thing on that Tammy issue. Uh, you know, everybody wants him and talk about how he's. Chelsea's leading goal scorer this season and can't even make the bench. Um, so it's, it's time to come home, Tim. But you know that's up to that's. I mean that's a that's a conversation for the owners and Dean Smith and his coaching staff. But yeah, I don't know. Craig Shakespeare likes to do some fun stuff and put fun ideas out there. So you just you just never know. I I, I would also say I think this is the last year of the big spending from Aston Villa. I think they're going to go again. And then I think Langer was brought in, you know, to, you know, to, to to address the original question. I think he is he he's brought in because he was able at, at FC Copenhagen, I think it was. Um, you can hate tweet me if that's wrong. Um, FC no, Copenhagen. Right. You're right. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, yeah, FC Copenhagen. Um, uh, you know, his his whole remit was finding undervalued players and and being the person who identifies the uh, the Saint Maximum or the Buendia before they become the Buendia and Saint Maximum, if that makes sense. Because everyone wants to buy these players, like uh, the, the lad from West Brom as well, Pereira, once they're already here. But if you can get them a step early, yes, you have to develop them, but yeah, you're saving a lot of money. So I think I think Villa are going to do one more big season. Of, of spending I expect upwards of 80 90 million this year again and then I think the academy and the, uh, the 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 kind of hidden gems will take over moving forward and we'll have a completely different uh, uh, way of, of doing business yeah well it's it's certainly set up to be a, an interesting summer um, whatever happens and there may be you know plenty of outgoings as well as incomings I would have thought um, but moving on to to the weekend, um, Aston Villa will be entertaining Carlo Ancelotti's Everton. No, it will be at Goodison Park. They'll be entertaining us, <laughs> I think. Um, and in a, in the strange kind of COVID um, world that we live in, this will be the first time Villa have played Everton this season. We've still got to play them um, in the re- reverse fixture at some point before before the end of the season. So that's a, a bit of a strange one. So we're still waiting for that to be confirmed. 
Um, but what are we expecting from from Everton on on Saturday? And uh, how do you see how do you see Villa and Dean Smith um, setting up for this one? Well, I'd love to say they're going to set up four four two, but we know they're not. So I'm not even going to say it anymore <laughs> because I'm just. <laughs> I'm just I'm just setting myself up for for pain um, and 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 joining in the Twitter uh, uh, meltdowns when the when the when the uh, when the thing is announced. Um, I would like to see. I think I think in all seriousness, I, I think even if he's not going to play two up top, I think that Keenan Davis should start. Uh, whether that be wide as Andy suggests or through the middle uh, with Watkins wide as I suggest, don't really care. I think uh, you know Davis has done enough now in his appearances against Fulham and um, uh, just uh, against West Brom. To, he deserves a start. Give him give him a start give him a game as we know that this isn't high stakes football so we can enjoy it Everton are a bit of a mixed bag you know a little bit like Aston Villa on their day uh, Sigurdsson and, and Hammers Rodriguez and Calvert-Lewin and um, the left back is fantastic uh, Dinia what a, what a player he is um, you know they can be they can be great but I think I saw a game uh, last week where you know Michael Keane and the centre backs and Holgate they were like the Keystone Cops. They were they were giving Harry Kane goals for goals for fun. So uh, Everton also very inconsistent. So I think it's two relatively evenly matched teams. Um, but it's one of those I think that, that that could really go either way depending on what kind of Aston Villa show up and what kind of Everton show up. I think that the teams are actually uh, quite evenly matched. I think so as well. I think everything's a, a pretty decent side, and they are inconsistent, and there there are some you know holes in their game. But James Rodriguez, he he scares the crap out of me. I think that was a, a great acquisition for him. I just feel like on his day when he really gets working, he he just picks apart. He just spraying passes all all over the pitch. Um, there is a thing with Everton though, and I was I was looking it up a little bit earlier that uh, today. Um, They've made uh, on the Premier League table for clearances per match. They sit fourth. Um, to me, that means that they're not very um, consistent in, in trying to work from the back to the front as far as counterattacks. Whenever they're in danger, they're just hoofing the ball out. So if you can kind of get that sustained pressure, almost like what we saw in phases of the West Brom match, I think that that's going to play in Villa's favor. And you know, I think that we saw that against West Brom, and it's a massive drop off playing a team like City to West Brom. Um, but I think that Villa kind of learned a little bit of lessons on how to move the ball around a little bit like Man City. And I'm not, it's, it sounds like I'm like building Villa up more than they are, but there was definitely points in time where we were possessing the ball a lot better than I've seen recently against West Brom. I would like to see more of that against Everton. Start, start to back up, you know, the opposition a little bit more. Try to create your chances that way instead of just being quick break on the counterattack. But I expect Everton to be a tough game. I, th- I think they're, you know, they're going to come out trying to, trying to prove a point. And, you know, with their manager, with Ancelotti, I mean, he just, he, he's a great manager. He's a good man manager as well. So it's curious to see what they bring out there. But I, I agree with uh, with Craig about Luca Dina. I think he he's fantastic as well. And you know, watch for him on the overlap. A lot of people talk about his his defensive abilities, but he, he's not afraid to get forward and throw crosses into the box either. Yeah, I just I've just realised when you're talking about the left back that one player we haven't talked about from last night, who was my man of the match, and he's increasingly becoming my player of the year, and that's Matty Target. Um, talk about uh, Denia's um, overlapping, but Matt Target, virtually every every opportunity we created sort of seemed to come from that left left side and his his runs and his crossing and, and, and that sort of thing. I thought he was absolutely outstanding um, and certainly didn't didn't deserve to be. If we had lost the game, he, it wouldn't have been for it because of uh, his efforts. So, um, yeah, very impressed with, with him. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I don't know what to, to expect from Everton. I think they're a little bit like us this season. They started very well and, and dropped off. Um, and we find ourselves in a very similar position in the table. And um, I wonder if their fans are panicking and and um, wanting Ancelotti out um, in the summer. But, you know, it's um, it, it, it could be a, an interesting game. It could be a very much um, on the beach sort of game. So we'll, 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 wait, we'll wait and see. But, you know, my main thing was I was hoping that... that uh, Mr. Grealish might might make an appearance at the weekend. He's he's running out of games now. If he wants to make that England squad, and you know, certainly either this weekend or 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 next weekend against Man United, he needs to be starting to be involved. I, th- I think if he wants to get in that squad, so you never know. He might he might show his face, um, and that would be a great thing for us. Um, so, guys, quick then, quick prediction. Uh, what, what we're saying for Saturday. I'm going to say 2-1 to the Villa with a Jack Grealish assist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go same as same as the West Brom game. I'm going to go 2-2. It's going to be a bit bonkers. Um, again, uh, both teams evenly matched. Both teams' defences have uh, a rick in them at the moment. Uh, and uh, both, uh, especially Pickford, I would uh, just fire a shot. El Ghazi, this could be your day, mate. You just you want to shoot at a goalkeeper uh, from from ridiculous out, uh, angles, Pickford, Shaman. Um, so two two, I think uh, Villa will get a couple of goals. I think Everton will get a couple of goals, and um, all even. And what should actually be an entertaining affair? I think one thing I'll say about yesterday as well, it was entertaining. I actually enjoyed the game for the most part, and, and I think I'm going to. I'm looking forward to this one. Everton is Everton Villa is, is the the most played top flight fixture. Obviously, it's not been played enough for either of us to qualify for the seditious six Super League. But it's been played enough for it to be the most uh, popular top flight fixture in English football history. So 2-2, um, share the spoils and um, cue Smith out, uh, Smith out, more Smith out because we can't beat Everton. <laughs> well, I'm going to say we're going to have a day off from the Smith out brigade and we're going to win 3-1. Um, I just see I just see it coming together for us at the weekend and uh, I'm... I'm yeah, I'm going out on a limb. I think Davis is going to score again. So oh, uh, I'd love it. I would so, love it. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm going with. Uh, ultra ultra optimistic um, this week after that wonderful comeback against the Baggies last weekend. Fantastic. <laughs> so thanks, uh, Craig and, and and Mark for joining me on this podcast. It's been really great chewing the fat over the uh, the West Brom game um, and thanks everyone for listening um, like we said at the start head over to underagaslitlamp.com for all the latest content on the on the the first team the academy and the Villa women who are really up against it in their fight for fight for survival um, I'm sure Mark's taking a taking a great interest in that as well and uh, there's there'll be plenty of content um, involving the, the Villa women in the coming weeks um, and also if you want to follow us on the socials it, we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram so just head over there and give us a give us a like um, but other than that um, have a good week, enjoy the Everton game and we'll be back next week to preview Man United stay safe and up the villa <laughs> <laughs>